Welcome back to The Short Game, a show where we talk about short video games. I'm your host, Shane Kelly, and with me today is my bro-host, Reagan Kelly. Howdy. And our fabulous co-host, Laura. Hello. And we are talking to you today about PSVR, the new, I guess it's an add-on for your PlayStation console. It's like the 32X. Do you remember the 32X? It's like that. It is. It is just like the 32X. It's it's not a new console. It, they say it's a new console, but it's really an add-on for your old console. So um, I got one. And you guys all got to try it. Yes. So I thought it would be amazing for us to meet up and talk about it and what it means for games like the games that we love uh, on the short game. Yeah, I've actually tried four different uh, VR headsets, and so it was really fun to play PlayStation VR because most of them have been weirdly in work situations where people Mm -hmm. have been like, try this on, see how augmented reality can be used in the interior design business. And I wanted to be like, (laughs) no, I want to play video games on this. So I was really, really happy to uh, take advantage of Shane's purchase of PlayStation VR and actually have fun with a virtuality system. Yeah, um, this episode kind of spun out of the fact that uh, Laura and I visited Shane just here recently uh, for... Shane and my birthday. I think we mentioned it was our birthday uh, on the previous episode, but that was October 14th if you're marking your calendar to send me a big gift next year. Uh, And steal your identity. (laughs) Damn, you're right. Ah. And uh, so uh, Shane had just gotten his PlayStation VR, and we spent a weekend. uh, Well, first we went to the Renaissance Festival. Huzzah! Portent. Huzzah! And uh, then we played some PSVR. And um, basically, this episode, we just sort of wanted to give some impressions on the hardware and uh, chit-chat a little bit about what it's like and whether we think it's for us or for the sort of people who play short games. I think it's a it's the kind of new piece of hardware that um, everybody in the industry is looking at right now and, and deciding, okay, is this thing for me? Uh, we're talking about developers are looking at this. Uh, consumers are looking at this. And I looked at it when it was announced, and I knew it was for me because I am crazy about VR. I have wanted a VR... Uh, I've wanted to disappear into virtual reality since uh, since I knew those two words back in the 1980s. So <laughs> um, I was so hyped to pre-order my PSVR, and when it came, I was so excited, and I set it all up, and uh, I'd just like to tell you what I think about it. Um, I'm a little biased because I'm still super excited to have a VR headset, just any VR headset. Unlike Laura, I haven't tried every VR headset, but... Um, the first thing well, that you weren't you weren't supported by a company that would really like their UX designers to know VR headsets. So yeah. yes, if someone else is going to buy a Hololens, you can use uh, for a week out of every month. Yes. So our Patreon page is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, buy us all PSVRs if you want more episodes like this, listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm very interested in hearing about your perspective on VR as a UX designer because. So much of what you know about video games gets thrown out the window when you start experiencing them on a a virtual environment instead of on a screen in front of you. It's kind of like, how do I design like tools for scuba divers? Not like, how do I Mm -hmm. design a like you feel like you're in this thing and you've got all this stuff around you and you have to 
look around at it and there's spatial i don't know i i found so it i think that's weird. a great example of the vocabulary of explaining games failing <laughs> the virtual reality experience um Said so, you fall back on things like there's stuff around you, which yeah. I mean, <laughs> I keep going true. back to things like um, IMAX video because the words you got the warning early on if you went to the science museum, you yes. got that warning that the IMAX might cause motion sickness, you know, and everybody when they were shooting IMAX was really trying to go for this like zoomy feel that felt mm. like, uh, like, but slow enough that you wouldn't feel we've strapped sickness. a 4K camera to an eagle's feet, <laughs> exactly. And then we had that eagle trained to fly through the desert. Um, Notice I feel as it like- gets closer and closer to the fox, it caught it. When there's a new technology, the first principles you need are really functional. They're like, how do you not make a person feel sick? How do you make a person know where they are? Mm. How do you make a person know what they can do next? And I feel like PlayStation VR has a lot of different ways that they're trying to orient people and how they're supposed to um, kind of learn the rules of the space. And because it's 360... You can put stuff behind you, but it's kind of Easter eggy right now because people aren't used to looking behind them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of the controls need to yeah, feel like true. they're in reach in front because people are so trained. One of my favorite ways that they've played with that, uh, and this is kind of jumping into some of the games, is that so every every game that has virtual hands for you has a lot of unique challenges in terms of user interface design and that's not that's not including games like um uh, well cockpit experiences like Battlezone are a, a big part of this and that's a whole nother ball game in terms of user interface design because you're ex- you're designing a cockpit but when you have virtual hands uh like when like when you're playing a uh, job simulator or this batman game that's just come out y- you have if you have certain functions that you want to pre- present to the user all the time um, there are really cool ways that you can do it. In Job Simulator, there's a button on, on your... Instead of having a menu that comes up, you press a button on the controller, and a suitcase appears in the air in front of you, and you open that suitcase. And if you want to quit the game, inside of that suitcase, there's a burrito. And you eat the burrito by holding it to your face in order to exit the game. So that <laughs> just goes to show you that, that we're, we're talking about some weird... Uh, weird experimental UI, and that's really fun. One of the places where it really worked for me was in the um, Batman or Arkham VR. Um, And by the way, that game is a masterpiece. Um, In that game, uh, you have your Batman tool belt, and you can see it when you look down. And so all the equipment that you're carrying, um, you can reach down and grab it, and you can see it. And you know, if you've got a a batarang, you know, right in the front of your tool belt, you can just, without looking, once you know it's there, you can reach and grab it and throw it. And so that kind of that kind of design uh, of that virtual space as interface, I think, is really really cool. It's really fun to do, and and it you know, if it's done well, it's just a, an incredible incredible game experience. That's a super cool way to do inventory. And I, I feel like something that I was missing in some of the demo uh, VR games that I was playing was um, I would look down and a lot of the games have this kind of faux cockpit cage environment so that you feel stable so you don't get quite as motion sick. And I, I felt like a couple of them 
had a lot of screens that didn't actually do anything. Mm-hmm. Like Battlezone had a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, and a couple of the ones in PSVR Worlds um, had that too. And you could kind of look at the screens, but it was just kind of like watching a screen in a uh, bad sci-fi movie where the screens are completely meaningless garbage. And I think I would love games like, you know, like looking down and seeing a Batarang is a much more valuable piece of information than looking down, seeing alien hands and screens that are meaningless. Like, that really didn't do no, it. No, I think me. you're I think you're referring to Scavenger's Odyssey from I PSVR am, which Worlds. I actually liked, but that was the only one that made me sick, but I'm sure we'll talk about some of that in a minute. Before we get into games though, I do want to talk specifically about the hardware. Um so the number one thing that you want out of a VR headset is you want to be able to wear it and not be uncomfortable. In fact, I think that's that's a that's a problem that both the hardware and the software have to solve together. Uh, but the hardware, I think, has that problem solved pretty well. Uh, the feeling of wearing the PSVR headset is a lot like the feeling of wearing a baseball cap. Um, it doesn't feel like a big honking piece of electronics hanging off the front of your face. It's counterbalanced in the front and the back, and it spreads the weight very easily and evenly. Um, the setup process, I thought, was pretty quick and easy. Uh, there's a million cords. Something about the, the, the hardware of the headset that really impressed me was, and like, I haven't tried a whole lot of these. The only other one that I've tried was, I think it was the original dev kit for the, um, uh, the Oculus, which frankly, this is way better than that in terms of just feel and for me in immersion. Um, I haven't tried a lot of the others. I'm sure the newer Oculuses are better, but the, the few things that I really, really liked about the headset that I don't think the Oculus did do was it has this very simple uh, little uh, button on the goggle portion that you press and you can sort of pull the goggles away from your face without having to move yes. any of the headset stuff. Um, yeah, and they it, call that the scope adjust button and the scope being the kind of part that sits right in front of your eyes. And yeah, you can you can press a button kind of on the right side of the headset and slide it forward and backwards. And ha- having the ability to slide it forwards gives you the gives you a teeny tiny window into the real world that falls pretty much uh, right at the end of your nose. And sometimes that's just enough. It's not enough if you are trying to get up and readjust the camera and like walk across the room. It's perfectly fine if you've dropped something though and yeah. need to like grope around for the controller or something. You can just slide that thing forward for a second. It's still on your head. It's still in the right position. You just slide it right back once you've, you know, found the thing that fell between the couch cushions or and whatever. And frankly, yeah. having that adjustment really also helps with the fit. Uh because being able to make sure I have uh, listeners have not seen my head. I have a truly gigantic <laughs> head. Uh, when I put the PSVR a headset large on, head. I, it's famous. Yeah, I, I, I have a, uh, I have several terrific anecdotes about you and uh, me both, brother. The horrifyingly <laughs> enormous size of my head. Um, but the, the PSVR. Uh, so when I do put it on, um, I don't have to turn the little wheel to tighten it down whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> I am pretty much the outermost extremity of uh of psvr adjustment uh but let me put it this way uh basically no hats fit me and yet the (laughs) psvr does so i think this really truly is a one size fits all heads device um and having that ability to slide things forward and back means that i'm able to get the 
lenses pretty much exactly where they need to be. Uh, so I, I've got no complaints about the fit of the PSVR. Yeah, and I had a lot less trouble making sure that the eye height was proper because I know when I was using the HoloLens, which the HoloLens is a complete computer in, a, in and of itself. There's no cords linking off of it. So it's extremely heavy. And when I put it on, I was lining it with my brow line and the alignment of the viewfinder was very off. And it took a lot of calibration on my head to find the right spot of where they thought my eyes should be. Um, didn't have that problem with PSVR. I just put it on and it kind of figured out where my where I was looking. And it was a lot more intelligent in that way. Uh, it didn't matter that I was, you know, if I was wearing glasses, if I wasn't, um, it was a little bit more accepting of where I might be looking. And I will say that it did lend itself to, you don't look with your eyes and you look with your whole head. And that was a change that I made very quickly with the PSVR. Whereas with other devices, I hadn't quite learned that you can't just, you need to move your entire head to look in a direction. For some reason, the weighting of the other things, I, I was, it was precarious. So I was trying to balance it mm -hmm. on my head and I was less willing to completely move my entire body to accommodate the system. So I really like that they've made it kind of it's balanced to the front enough that you are ready to tilt and move your head like the games expect you to. Yeah, definitely. It's guiding there, there, you and in there a are great games way. that you play that have yeah. uh, your your the direction that you're looking um, affect things like menus, controls, uh, or even aiming. And so, being able to like whip your head around. And trust that this thing is going to stay in place and not fly off your head or get misaligned and then your vision goes, uh, I think is very important. And having a little, little, little adjustment dial uh, at the back of your head. Yeah, uh, and you have to train you your body to look with your head and not just peer to the side. And yeah. it's been easier to learn that on the PSVR than the other headsets I've tried. Yeah, that said, I think it had a very good range of view. Like a field of view was not bad. I can, uh, it fills my peripherals. Well, I, I kind of want to disagree with you a little bit there. Not that it's not so I don't have, like I said, that much experience with these. It's definitely better than the uh, than the first gen uh, Oculus that I tried um, or the very short experience I had with that device. But um, it's uh, something that I guess I wasn't fully expecting was how blurry your peripheral vision is. Uh, now, I don't think this was because of any kind of like misadjustment, although I suppose that's possible and maybe this could be better for other folks. But for me, um, everything in the dead center of my vision was pretty sharp and in focus. And if I tried to use my eyeballs to look around, as, as Laura was saying, um, it was very blurry. And also you could I could clearly, you know, it, it was not so immersive that I couldn't see that I was looking through something. It feels to me like wearing thick goggles. Um, I mean, obviously you are, but I mean, like it, it has the feeling that you would get in scuba goggles where your peripheral vision is partially blocked and you're wearing something on your face that, that blocks part of your vision. And um, so it's not so immersive that it makes you feel, oh my goodness, I I can reach out and touch the the world around me. You still have that slight feeling of remove that you would have if you were, for example, I, I keep going back to scuba diving because for me that's like that's like the one thing that it feels most most alike to. Um, but I don't know that it, I didn't find it super immersive. That's not to say it's not impressive. I would just you know temper your expectations uh, thusly. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've I've found it more and more immersive the more I've I've used it. There's definitely a moment as I put it on for the first time where I was like, I've just got a, t- a, a, a like a cell phone screen strapped to, strapped to my eyes, um, <laughs> like Google but, glasses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the actually the actual feeling, the more and more I've spent time with it, um, there are certain things that sell me on the immersion of this thing, even though we're talking about something that has less than H less than truly HD uh, and a, less than a truly HD image for each eye. Uh, you can definitely notice a, uh, pixelation effect in certain kinds of games. Uh, but having this thing on in a game that plays to its strength is incredibly immersive. So, um, I do agree so with the you first there. number the first thing I brought up, like comfort, that's the number one thing. You have to you have to have a comfortable experience. And every game that I've tried for PSVR, none of them have had uh, weird frame rate issues. Not where I felt like uh, like I was ter- whipping my head around and like my vision was trailing behind or something like that, which I I feel like would would be pretty uh, crummy. And that's super important. Um, frame rate is like. It's not something I care about almost at all. Like people get really up in arms about, oh, this game isn't 60 FPS. And I'm like, that doesn't matter most of the time in most games and particularly not enough to like, you know, harass a developer on Twitter because they frame rate locked their game at 30 and you wanted it at 60. Like frame rate doesn't matter to me. But in PlayStation VR or in VR rather in general, it really, really matters. Um, the uh, There's a really good episode of the... Um, remaster podcast it's a great podcast with uh uh, shahid uh ahmad uh, who used to work for playstation and was somewhat involved in the creation of the psvr although he no longer works for them and what's great about that is that he can kind of tell you some stuff that's would maybe be insider information but now he's left playstation so he can talk about it and um one of the things that he mentioned about it was that playstation's biggest message to developers when they're developing for psvr is hit 90 fps and if you have to degrade the you know any other element of your game in order to hit 90 fps all the time uh then you have to do it because if you start going below 90 fps people notice it when there's a lag when they're looking around that's an enormous thing in vr where it would be you know 30 fps is probably fine in most games otherwise but if you're not hitting 90 in playstation vr you're gonna feel awkward or even uh, even ill. Um, and I think this game's, all of them do, but some of them really achieve it by looking kind of PlayStation 2-y. Uh, some of them do, but some of them look really uh, freaking great. And I want to kind of compare a couple of games uh, that, or a couple of demos, a couple of, two. I want to compare two scenes in two different games that I think can tell you everything you need to know about where this is going as a console. Um, and they're both scenes that are not interactive, except that you can move around a little bit. You can move your head. You can look around. Okay. So um, on the demo disc that comes with the PSVR, there's a short little experience called the kitchen, right? Did you, oh, did you try that kitchen? one? Dang it. No. Okay. One of the first things that I tried for PSVR was a demo called, it's not really a demo. Well, 
Depends how you define demo. It's not a demo for a game that you'll actually buy. You won't be buying The Kitchen. Um, it's a demo in the sense that it's a technology demo from the creators of uh, Resident Evil. And this was one of the first things I tried on the PSVR. And I will say, I almost shit my pants because <laughs> it contains some very significant jump scares. Um, you start off tied to a chair. Uh, and the DualShock controller that you're holding in your hand is represented by uh, your two hands. If you look down, uh, your hands are bound and you are tied to this chair, right? And uh, creepy shit starts crawling around and scares you with some very, very scary things that jump out, <laughs> scream at you and things like that. So it's great. Uh, it scared the shit out of me. Uh, but when I started it up, I was very, this was one of the first things I tried in PSVR. I was at the end of that questioning my PSVR purchase. And I'll tell you why. It's because of the jagged problems with like jaggies and, and shiny edges of things. Um, everything looked very pixelated in the kitchen. That's not to say that it wasn't an immersive experience because as I said, I practically shat myself. <laughs> but um, but the graphics looked bad. Um, the graphics are not great in the kitchen because it's trying for photorealism, but it's trying for photorealism in a way that falls just short. And it falls short in a way that things don't fall short today. It, it, it has uh, low, re it doesn't handle low resolution well. And I'm not saying it's like... It's not know, stylized enough to get away with it. Yeah. Yes. And it's not even... The, so some games do that low resolution well uh, by stylizing and being cartoony, and that's great. That looks awesome. Job Simulator, great example. But the game that I want to compare it to is Batman uh, Arkham VR. So at the start of Batman Arkham VR, there's... A scene, the very first thing you experience in that game is uh, the death of Batman's parents. Because no one's ever seen that before. <laughs> How many times have we seen that? But it is the, 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 the difference between that scary scene and the scary scene in the kitchen is that in Batman Arkham VR, the anti-aliasing on everything is perfect. The game looks, looks beautiful because... It is rendered perfectly, and the graphics look phenomenal. It's incredible. Um, like the the bat, uh, uh, Bruce Wayne's mother is wearing a fur coat, and you can lean in close, and you almost feel like you're going to get a face full of this fur coat as you stand there in this alley, knowing. And, and as I, and, and and of course, you know, you start off this scene, and you realize, wait, I'm really short because <laughs> you're a kid. Yeah. And you look up, and it's your mother leaning over you, and she's wearing this mink, right? And, you know, you know, graphically, graphically, fur is hard to do, and they do it well. And then, you know, the, both parents are there, and the characters look as, better than anything else I've seen on PlayStation VR. And then after what you know is going to happen happens, uh, the horrible mobster like comes and gets right in your face 
and he's got like tattoos on his face and he's leaning in. And if you like move at all, he's watching you. He's like, he's like looking right at you. He's pointing the gun at you. And that's one of the best moments that I've had in PSVR that wasn't in a, in a, uh, interactive moment. So, uh, to kind of compare those two, different developers are going to take advantage of this hardware to different extents. And you can get incredible experiences out of this hardware. And having tried a bunch of different pieces of, of software for it, that's, that's one of my big takeaways. Is that, uh, and, and in this case, I think the biggest difference between those two scenes, anti-aliasing. Yeah, and that's so interesting. That's like not something that you know makes the back of a box for a video game. Things like this game is 90 FPS and has good anti-aliasing is not an exciting thing to say, but it makes such an enormous difference in, in this sort of experience in a way that you wouldn't expect in like, it, that's not something that would be important to a regular developer in a regular game. It's a little anti short game in some ways. We yeah. tend to champion things that are very stylized or things that don't necessarily look great, but have great mechanics. But when you are in a 360 immersive view, you need something that's going to keep you there. So we're not saying you need like, Everyone needs AAA money, but you need to either stylize or really make it count. Yeah. I think as the the tools for creating these kinds of games improve, um, that really good anti-aliasing and really perfect frame rate are going to be table stakes for creating a great game. I think you're probably right that like the tools are going to improve, but also I think expectations are going to get better. Now that somebody can go and play, you know, Arkham VR, for example, and see how well those developers succeeded with with mm. their game folks will know more about what to focus their resources on they'll know well we really need to pour resources into getting that uh, that anti-aliasing right even if that means maybe skimping on something else and you know it's just a different way of developing your different way of focusing your resources yeah, and the only um, con I've heard to Arkham VR is actually our favorite thing, which is that it's short. And I'd rather have them deliver a short, well-crafted experience than try to make that cost $300, because that's probably yeah, what it and, would cost right now. And it's it's not that it's... I mean, it's short, but it's also not, like, AAA uh, cost either. Like, the, the games on PSVR are short because I think that the ideal play session for PSVR is a relatively short one. Um, but the, that, that even, even makes it more attractive for me as, as, you know, a gamer who likes to just sort of dip in and out of things. Um, but in terms of my final thoughts on the hardware, I don't want to leave this sort of review, uh, with only glowing things to say about the PSVR hardware. Although I think the hardware is really good. Um, I do have a couple of issues that I would like to kind of bring up. And one of them is, uh, so the tracking is universally pretty good, but it's not perfect. Um, when tracking fails, it's weird because you might look behind you and turn and, and maybe somehow move out of the range of the camera. And you might see, sometimes you'll see a, a message flash up that says you're out of the play field. But other situations, you might move and turn, and uh, the floor jumps up to hit you in the face. <laughs> and that's pretty weird. So, uh, you know, again, it's good. It's if I, I, the more I've played it, the more I've learned like 
how to position the camera, how to position myself to get the best results. Uh, but it's not perfect. And the biggest issue that I've had um, with the PSVR is what I have kind of come to think of as play field drift. And that isn't something that where in certain games, um, imagine that you, you put on the VR headset and you're facing the television. And uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're playing Thumper or maybe you're playing Job Simulator or something like that. Slowly... Uh, the wor- slowly as you move around, you look around, up, down, left, right, you you know, stand, turn, whatever. Uh, the world is that you are standing in in the real world and the virtual world have rotated maybe uh, maybe thirty degrees, maybe sixty degrees, right? So that your face, you know, physically you're facing the television where you have the camera hanging. But in actuality, the virtual world has turned a little bit. And that's what I, that's what I would kind of refer to as play field drift. And that's a, that's a constant issue uh, that I've had. The, the best solution to it is to, be, is to find the right positioning in terms of distance from the camera. Uh, the good news is that this is not a, this is not a problem that um, has caused me a lot of uh, trouble in, in in actuality, it's easy to just sort of angle my body, you know, a little bit and, you know, problem solved, right? But it is noticeable and it's a little bit weird. Uh, it's not something that happens all at once. It's something that happens very, very, very slowly. So slowly that I don't notice it until I realize that I'm uh, facing in a different direction than what I actually felt like or thought I was facing. Uh, the second kind of weird hardware issue that I've encountered has been issues with the headphone volume. The PSVR has phenomenal audio, which is something we haven't mentioned yet. I don't want to talk about an issue with the audio without talking about first the fact that the 3D audio you get from the PSVR is really good. And it adds to the immersion enormously to have sounds moving all around you and really feel as though you hear things that are happening behind you or to your sides. You pick up a phone from your desk in Job Simulator and you hold it to your ear and you hear it exactly where you think it ought to be. Um, But I've had problems with the headphone volume. I just don't feel like the PlayStation VR can get the sound loud enough. Hmm. That's my biggest complaint. Uh, When I'm playing Thumper, I want it to deafen me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, I can't quite get it up that high. I could turn it up all the way. um, But, and, and maybe that's something that can be solved with um, the settings of the game itself and not of the hardware, or maybe it requires a PlayStation hardware update. Uh, I doubt that's a problem that can't be solved. Really, both of these, I think, are problems that could probably be solved by hardware, uh, probably be solved by software. You might just need some like lower impedance headphones or something. That's true, maybe. Uh, I haven't tried it. I've tried it with two different headphones, though. Uh, best results were with closed headphones that cover your ears, but... Um, I just really want to be able to crank the volume way, way up for those music games. Yeah, they might have done it for safety reasons, which, boo. <laughs> Maybe. We'll yeah. see. Well, 
I concur with all of that. I experienced that in Job Simulator. And maybe now's a good time for us to transition into talking about specific games, and Job Simulator would be a good place to start. Job Simulator was really fun and really cool, but I definitely noticed that sort of playfield drift that you were describing. Yeah, you had to quit because of it. Yeah, at some point yes. we had to like quit the game and restart it in order to like not have to be facing slightly, you know, off or have like the And what that sometimes meant was, oh, now in order to be looking at the thing I need to look at, I need to be turned to the right, but then my right controller is no longer in the range of the camera, and it keeps uh, losing track of my hands. So it could get pretty annoying. Yeah, and I I have... One of the nice things here is that, um, again, this is all new technology. Um, The creators of Job Simulator, Alchemy Labs, O-W-L, Chemi Labs... Um, have put out some guides, and they address this issue in particular. Um, and they say that most of the people have been reporting bad tracking issues uh, related to rest mode, um, which kind of include the drifting that I'm describing, uh, and that a power cycle on the PlayStation can clear it up. Uh, that's actually held up in my experience, uh, but a problem that comes back again and again is not a problem that uh, I want to keep having. I want them to fix it in software somehow so that I can use the rest mode on my console as God intended. They also have a whole page, which, by the way, is is great not just for their game, but for all games, that gives you really great tips in terms of uh, how to position yourself in front of the camera and how to position the camera for the best possible tracking. And... um, I've got to say the uh, the the learning how to best position the camera was not particularly easy. It really does ha- have a, a, a huge impact on your quality of play. Uh, and the better I've gotten at it, the more fun every one of these games has been. Well, I was an observer for Job Simulator, but so I guess I'll tee it up and let you two, who actually had the hands-on experience. No pun intended, because there's no... <laughs> it does um, have hands, sort of. <laughs> it has hands. It does have hands in the game. Um, but the idea is that you're in the future, and you're in a museum where you have... Um, you can kind of check out the experience of being different jobs, from a lowly desk worker to um, a convenience store clerk. But it's kind of the futuristic robot idea of what those jobs are. So there's lots of that goofiness that we have kind of expected from the games we like like there's a lot of you know off kilter office humor um you can really do anything in the sandbox and i think the most fun thing from watching uh, youtube play it was i could see the possibilities in front of me and i had no idea what you were going to choose to chuck at your robot employee friends (laughs) or where you were going to put the coffee that you took um and whether or not you were going to Uh, light the hot dog on fire. Like, it's really fun to watch PlayStation VR because there's a lot more possibilities than a standard computer game. It feels like you can look in any direction and find something you didn't know was there. Yeah, I would say, I would compare Job Simulator quite a bit to, like, Octodad. Um, I thought of that, too. It's a a game that's sort of based on the humor of uh, of physics and bizarre situations. And so the the setup, uh, like Laura mentioned, is this, you're you're in a... uh, post job world and the robots presumably have eliminated all of the jobs and you are visiting the robot job 
museum. And what's really great about that is that you get this sort of uh, robot's eye view of what jobs would be like or would have been like for humans who had to do them. Um, and some of it is semi-realistic and other bits are clearly just sort of like funny robot misunderstandings of what jobs or computers or, or, you know, stores or whatever else were like. Um, so for example, you know, you are working in an office job and you have a phone and a keyboard and all these other things, but they have these just gigantic buttons on them and you can only type in binary or, you know, you're working in the convenience store and they have the option to supersize stuff, which means literally you put objects in a supersizing machine and it makes them bigger. You know, these sort of like little misunderstandings that are little jokes in and of themselves, but actually also serve kind of the play because having giant buttons really works if you don't have fingers. And having a supersizer is a really interesting thing to put in a game where you uh, have a bunch of objects that you're manipulating and that's sort of the game is juggling objects while being able to make them bigger. Very fun, interesting little mechanic. So it does a great job of sort of tying its joke premise to just really simple, fun, sandboxy gameplay stuff. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And apart from a few problems with the uh, with the tracking, like Shane was mentioning, I think this was probably the most connected I felt with 3D objects in one of these games. You know, th this game is, you know, you're using the move controllers and you're using them to control these sort of cartoonishly large in-game hands. Um, and you can use them to pick up objects, throw them around. It felt very physical. It felt very 3D. When I picked up a mug, I could twist it and I could bring it to my eyes. I could twist it and look at the bottom. I could throw it and it gave it a convincing arc. It was very... Uh, very convincingly, like, yeah. spatial. This aspect is something that I think um, maybe the Batman game does a little bit better. Um, and when I say that, what I mean is um, the hands work better. Having hands in virtual reality is another level of kind of something cool and interesting. Uh, about VR, like, and that's something that's nice about the PSVR. It's, it's also a little unsettling. It, it, it feels a bit like having like claws for hands. Um, Batman kind of changes that a little bit, and what Batman does is it um, instead the, the hands are you know you get little little bat hands like flying around in front of you, <laughs> bat hands. and when you reach out with those hands, uh, they gesture in interesting ways that seem to indicate what the hand will do if you basically pull the trigger on the controller. So if you wait, if you put push the hand near a, uh, a button, then two fingers of the hand extend as, as though they're trying to press the button. Right. And then you can pull the trigger to press the button. Um, and reaching out towards something that you can grab the hand responds and like reaches out and grabs. Uh, playing Job Simulator, obviously a little more cartoony, uh, the hands are very much kind of uh, claw hands um, that just sort of are, it feels like you're using those weird extendo arm claw machine things. Mm -hmm. I thought of those exact things when I was playing the game. Like, you remember when we were kids and I guess for some reason someone bought us those like robot hands that were like a little like extender that had like a claw at the end and you could use them to... You mean possibly the greatest toy? one of the greatest toys of all time that gave you the incredibly empowering feeling of having arms that were one foot longer than your regular arms would be. 
it, it felt a lot like that. Like it really felt like having claw hands as your regular hands or having like weird prostheses or something. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and different games do that different way, different ways. I think, I think you have to work within the limitations of the controllers that they yeah. put in your hands. And frankly, I don't think that the move controllers, which are a relatively old technology at this point, are ideal. Yeah, this came with the, th- the PS3. Yeah, those they came with the the they're they're a last generation controller being reused for a uh, whole new purpose that they never were meant for. Um, but when the game takes that into account, the game can do very good things with them. Let's talk about more games. So I've got a long list of games I want to talk about. Yeah, so you already told us a little bit about Arkham VR, and it sounds pretty exciting, but um, I didn't get a chance to try that one because, uh, well, it, we were still downloading it when I was there, and I don't think it had finished downloading by the time I got out it's of there. a pretty big game. But what's the game you've been playing the most of right now? The number one game for me on PSVR has been Thumper. Thumper! Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I Thumper was the only game for PSVR that I pre-ordered, and the only reason I pre-ordered it is uh, that the pre-order came with the vinyl copy of the album, and I heard a little bit of the soundtrack, and I was like, ah, oh, that's that's the shit. So <laughs> I bought the soundtrack, and it came with a pre-order of the game. And I'm still waiting, frankly, to get the soundtrack in the mail. This vinyl record is going to come in the mail and tell me what this music really should sound like if I actually was hitting all the jump pads properly. Hmm. But uh, Thumper is a game where they've described it as a rhythm violence game, which I just think is a fancy way to say it's a rhythm game. It's really just a rhythm game. Um, But it's a rhythm game with a lot of very visceral speed to it, uh, where you as the player are just sort of a shiny bug rocketing down an endless corridor towards more and more uh incredible beats it's like if rainbow road had guardrails and you were just losing your way bobsledding down rainbow road and just but every once in a while you had to hit buttons or swipe right and left it's it's really i played it in a uh spooky uh shady van at um bit bash last year <laughs> Um, it was a really dark van with a line out the door and I stood in line and I got in. It was just like 15 people standing in front of a huge widescreen TV in this van playing this game. And until I played it on VR, like I was kind of worried. I was like, when I played on PlayStation without anything, it's in my own house. It's really fun still. But PlayStation VR was getting me back in that creepy van where the only thing everyone was looking at was that game and yeah it, it having the headphones on having your 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 vision encompassed by this game um definitely takes uh what i think is a is a pretty good rhythm game and puts it on another level it's interesting because it's not really that it's not the sort of thing you think of when you think of a vr game you know you're not uh get it's not a first person experience and mm-hmm. also like it, it's a more traditionally like uh tv style experience you're watching this bug proceed along its track and hitting buttons to you know match beats and so on and uh i was kind of wondering before playing it 
how VR would affect the experience. Um, I think in sort of two ways it does. One is what Shane was saying. It kind of isolates you, makes you feel like this is the whole of experience you know that you are it makes you feel involved in it in a way that you you might not because it's it's sort of like sitting really close to the tv right you're you're right up in it um but the other is that like it it has the, it adds this sort of subtle 3d-ishness to it that made it sort of interesting and involving you could lean and see angles on the bug that you wouldn't have otherwise seen. It doesn't really change the fundamental gameplay, but it does make it feel more involving. I think it's a really interesting kind of example of like how more traditional games can bridge that gap into VR without really fundamentally rethinking how they play. It it plays basically the same whether you're on VR or not, but the VR definitely does bring something to the experience. Yeah, those games that you just want to turn off of the lights and focus... That's a great VR experience. It doesn't require too much retooling. Yeah. One thing I will say about about this game is what I realized from this game, one of the things that I realized is that even games that supposedly are seated VR experiences, a lot of them are more fun to play standing because you have a little bit more play in terms of where you can move and look. Uh, Leaning from one side to the other in Thumper uh, sometimes is really valuable to you seeing around corners uh, to see the upcoming track uh, a little bit better than you would if you were just sitting still. Um, and it's also more immersive to be moving around a little bit more and just seeing things from different angles. So uh, this is a game that to me feels like an old style arcade cabinet game where I'm just sort of standing up and, you know, mashing buttons and dying constantly. Uh, and that feeling is enhanced by the gigantic devil head <laughs> that yeah he uh, did really comes, bury the lead there <laughs> comes at you in this game yeah kind of burying the lead uh the the, the bosses of this game uh, and I've, I've only gotten beasts. through five levels of this game and i think there are eight or something like that but um yeah every time you get to the end of the level uh, a gig- increasingly monstrous devil head <laughs> comes and tries basically to uh, spit obstacles at you, and uh, you have to spit them back until you kill it. It's very sinister. Like it reminds me yeah, a lot yeah. of that. Like our, I live. Like it, it's just a gigantic, yeah. menacing, completely totally unexplained sinister. head comes out from nowhere. And uh, and it just you when die. you're in VR, it like comes up from the abyss below oh, yeah. you, and like when you know it's coming, you can like lean down and look like, oh shit, here comes that head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool experience. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, you know, the I other thing I can't recommend Thumper enough. You know, the other thing that we Even played for people that don't have PSVR. I totally agree. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, the other thing that we played a fair amount of while I was there were some of the experiences, I hardly even really want to call them games, that come on the PSVR Worlds disc, which, um, mm-hmm. Shin, was that a pack-in, or I wasn't really clear on how that worked? It's not a pack-in. Um, in fact, the way they're selling PSVR is pretty um, pretty interesting. There's two different ways to buy it. Uh, because a lot of people already have the PlayStation uh, camera, and there's a lot of those out there on the used market, and the same is true for the uh, PlayStation Move controllers, which are even optional. You don't have to have them. Um, the PSVR is sold 
as a bundle with all of those things or on its own. And if you buy the bundle, you're also probably getting PSVR Worlds, which is a a full game uh, composed of five different VR experiences uh, of varying lengths. Uh, That game, the PSVR Worlds can be bought separately. um, And so there's a lot of different ways to buy PSVR. Um, I bought the big, biggest bundle they had. Uh, because I wanted all of it. I didn't have the camera already. I didn't have the move controllers because apparently they're pointless without PSVR. Having all that stuff come together, uh, I, w- I wanted the VR worlds too. Um, so PSVR worlds is a set of demos that is not sold with uh, PSVR necessarily, uh, but there is a set of demo ga- type games that do come with PSVR. And that's the Playroom VR, which is playing around with a lot of little robots. And we'll talk about oh, that. Oh, it's adorable. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. So Playroom VR comes for free. You can download it with the PlayStation VR. There's also a demo disc that comes with the PlayStation VR that includes demos of a lot of games. And I, uh, I thought that was a little retro when I first saw it. I was like, what, a demo disc? Like a physical demo disc? Uh, but having it was really valuable to me because it helped me find a lot of games that I wanted to buy. And then PSVR Worlds doesn't come with it, but it came with mine. So I spent a lot of time with those demos. I spent a lot of time with PSVR Worlds. PSVR Worlds has five games that I would say are uh, in a, a territory between tech, demo, and game. London Heist, which is great. It's got that kind of hands-on experience. You're picking up objects, whatever. And it's a heist movie brought to VR. Um, And one of the nice things about it is it's got good gunplay. It's, as yet, the only experience I've had in VR on PSVR where there was really good gunplay. Then there's Ocean Descent, which has basically zero interaction. (laughs) But you get to see lots of cool fish. Um, and be attacked by a shark if you like. Uh, there is a scary version and a not scary version, uh, basically a sharked and a unsharked version of Ocean Descent. Uh, it's great to put uh, the, just the headset on somebody and sit them in the chair and say, hey, uh, look out for the shark. <laughs> uh, and then just watch their reactions. This is enhanced all the more by the social screen, which is a unique feature of PSVR where you can see basically what the person is seeing or sometimes other things on the television screen. I, uh, um, I have to say that my first PSVR experience was when Shane texted me a video of my dad reacting to being attacked <sighs> by the shark. And oh my gosh, it was pretty funny. Um, you know, dad's a dad's a, you know, he's not a game gentleman. And, um, I don't know. How would you describe his reaction to PSVR as a, uh, a- um, uh, uh, charmingly astonished, I would say, is his reaction. And then when the shark came around, uh, a, a little bit unnerved. Uh, he, he's got he's made of stern stuff, Pete Kelly. Um, I have had. Whereas other friends, I was however, like, "Yeah, shark, come at me!" <laughs> but it was at like it was at like one a.m. So I don't think that I've had other normal. friends who like literally flipped <laughs> yeah. out, like freaked out, and got very scared of the shark. Um, so some of the some not all the. Um, PSVR Worlds experiences were like super winners for me. Uh, VR Luge, 
is, is really kind of boring. Basically like a driving game, but you turn with your face and you're losing down. Ultimately, even if you win the race, you're still a loser. <laughs> um, Scavenger's Odyssey kind of mixed. I thought like Scavenger's Odyssey is a cockpit experience. Uh, VR and cockpit experiences are, are pretty good. Uh, it's got a lot of of movement. You're you're driving yourself, which I think is great. Uh, a little bit of shooting, but I didn't think it was super great. I have to say, this was the one that made me like none of the other experiences gave me motion sickness, and I actually wasn't really expecting motion sickness to be a thing for me because you know I'm I'm rock solid on boats, and I can mostly read in the car, and all the other things that will trigger motion sickness for a lot of other folks don't really happen to me. Um, and the first few things I tried, no problem at all. But this one, I don't know what it was exactly, but something about just as soon as I started steering the, you're kind of driving a weird mech. Um, as soon as it moved, I, I felt a lurch. And every yeah. time I moved it, I felt wrong. And I ended up bailing on it after probably only also about 10 you were minutes. drunk. I'm not that drunk. <laughs> That's true. But I, I think, I mean, I was fine with it, but I could see how people would be sick because not only are you sitting still while it's moving forward and a lot of other games aren't doing that, but later in the game, they're actually fully rotating where you're sitting. So you'll go from, uh, you know, gravity is, you know, your co- the whole screen is turning. Like it's pretending like you're mm. upside down or on an angle, yeah. like you're making huge leaps. Uh, so you have to, be able to detach and i've seen it more than a few people it's not just you reagan that got sick during that particular demo yeah and then finally there was danger ball uh and danger ball is uh pong with your face and i actually think is probably my two favorites would be london heist and danger ball Hmm, really danger ball was kind of neat uh to kind of explain what that means in terms of pong with your face it's a you're you're playing a kind of a ball game where you're you've got a kind of a field or box i guess between you and a uh and an opponent and wherever you look is where your sort of pong paddle goes sort of a 3d spatial pong um it was it was kind of neat i don't think it would have held my attention for very long it was i mean you know pong is pong um and you know being it 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 moves the paddle where you look is kind of an interesting uh, like way to play. Uh, you know, it's nice to be able to set the controller down and play entirely just by looking around. But it's, I don't know, I didn't find it particularly engaging. And I wonder how many games can really get much gameplay out of just looking around. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, although I, I think I actually maybe clicked with it a little better than you did. Um, but it's... Uh, it's more replayable than a lot of these others. London Heist is also very replayable um, because it has this sort of shooting gallery mode uh, that, and I, as I said, like it has really good gunplay, um, like using the guns, reloading the guns, like feels good uh, and you can, feels pretty accurate. So uh, it's all pretty good. The game that I've had the most fun with my wife has been keep talking and nobody explodes. And that's a game we played for this podcast. So yeah. if you want to know our thoughts on that game, you might as well just go back and listen to our episode on it. Yeah, and that was a nice quick episode. Uh, we played it minus VR, but I could totally see how this would work so much better in VR because it's a game about one person can only see the instructions and one person can only see the bomb and you have to talk to each other and work out how to 
uh, dismantle the bomb. Really great concept for this game, particularly for PSVR with the sort of social screen thing that it has. This is, yes. I think, probably the only like party game for PSVR that I think kind of makes sense. So I, I, w- I think this is a perfect game for PSVR and also really perfect for bringing people into it. You know, you only have one VR headset. You're not going to be plugging multiple headsets into a PlayStation. So this is a great way to give you a multiplayer experience with just a single headset. Definitely. I really, really liked um, something that I didn't expect to super love, but I, I really, really liked what I played of Wayward Sky. And I wasn't familiar with these developers. They're called Uber Entertainment. They've developed other things, but um, they weren't a super familiar developer for me. But um, Wayward Sky is, I guess, kind of a puzzle platformer or puzzle adventure game. Yeah, they, they call it a look and click adventure game. That's a really... Or I, a point and look adventure game, something like that. Yeah, because it, it has a lot in common with point and clicks. And I, I, I think Reagan called it a dollhouse in that if you were in the system and you could kind of manipulate things inside the point and click adventure with your move controllers, there was a lot of, you know, you go here, little doll. Definitely. One of the things I liked about that is that uh, where a lot of VR games have focused on solving the problem of like comfortably moving around, uh, this game just sort of forgets about it. And when you're moving the character, you're seeing it from above, um, from a fixed position, where you have a great view of this area and you're able to control the character very naturally. And it's great because it's 3D and you can lean in and you can look around and there are secrets where you can like look behind things and stuff like that. So that that aspect is satisfying and great. But when you get into moments where the character is like solving a puzzle or like interacting with objects, you take that that's when you take that character's perspective and now your hands are reaching around in the virtual world and turning dials and flipping switches and solving puzzles. So it's a great combination. Yeah, many of my favorite games just in general uh, are, you know, third person. First person games are cool and they're their own thing and lots of shooters and other things take that approach. But, you know, I I kind of had wondered, are first person games going to be really all we get when it comes to VR because it seems so designed for that. But this was the first game that I I played that was 100%, well, not 100%, but it was really designed as a third person game uh, experience like you might have in an adventure game. And that translates so beautifully into VR when you think about it as you're looking down on a kind of a tiny little room and your main character is this little doll-sized person and you're pointing and clicking and telling her where to go and what to do. And there's just something incredibly adorable about looking down. You can like get, you know, you, you can move around your head so you can get down on your knees and look at her eye to eye or you can stand up and get an overview of the of the area that she's in uh you can uh bend around and see things that you wouldn't be able to see from her perspective it really actually added to this third person perspective in a way that i totally wasn't expecting and also just the whole idea of playing with these little short characters that like you know it it feels like you're walk you're making this tiny little doll walk around in front of you that just feels super fun and neat I really, really like this one a lot. I, I think it, I've I've continued to play it, and it it's um, what I'd love to see more of for this console. It's a short game. Um, it's pretty focused. It's uh, a unique twist on an old genre for a new platform, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it felt the most like uh, the short game game of anything the things that we tried for uh, for PSVR. I think. 
Although almost everything that we've discussed, I would say fits our wheelhouse. Like that, that's one thing that as we're kind of coming up on the end of this episode, I have one or two more games I want to talk about, but, but it, this is as good a time as any to say, I think PSVR is going to be the console for cool, innovative, short stuff. Um, you're going to have companies that are made like Uber Entertainment or like Drool, who made Thumper, uh, or crows, putting crows, out something crows. that's oh, yeah. really Crows, 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 Alchemy Labs. Oh, my God. I'm so excited about the stuff coming out from Crows, Crows, Crows and from Alchemy. Um, there's going to be Rick and Morty. There's going to be Rick and Morty. Right? <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> The the whole uh, the whole scene I think is is tuned for the kind of games that I'm super interested in. Um, it's not going to be all about games that have super elaborate, super high end graphics in terms of you know complex models. Uh, it's going to be in it's going to be games that are all about having incredible experiences, and that's really what we're all about on this show, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, any last extraordinary experiences you had? Sure. Um, I'll just kind of rattle a few off. Uh, the demo disc is a brilliant thing to throw in. Um, and there's things that I played on that demo disc that I didn't get to buy yet, but are on my to-buy list. Because uh, I just haven't had the time to play them. Uh, and, you know, who knows, maybe they'll go on sale. Uh, Battlezone. Really cool game. Really good cockpit experience. Um, everything I've seen about the game looks like it's the number one. If I had to pit purchase one, just one game for PSVR, it would have been Battlezone. Um, second, uh, Harmonics Music, surprise, uh, surprise pick for me. I really am into it. I have gone back to the demo of Harmonics Music several times. Um, it's not. It's it's already a pretty cheap game, but I'm I'm maybe waiting for it to go on sale or something. Um, because I haven't had that much time to spend with it. But what it has that I really want more of is two things. One is sort of a, a 3D painting and sculpting experience. It's pretty similar to what I've seen on Tilt Brush, <laughs> uh, which is a Google product. Um, and then the second thing that it has uh, is puppets that you can make dance to your music. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, the experience of controlling these puppets to the music, I... Uh, I will confess, uh, it was surprisingly fun, and I would want to do it more. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could basically like grab these little puppets and like move them around and uh, like set up how they dance to the music, and you can put in your own flash drive full of music huh. uh, so that you can um, do all the different... Ex- it's basically um, a 3D VR version of the iTunes visualizer on steroids for hmm. most of Harmonix VR. Um, uh, but like the painting and the dancing and the like chilling out in response to your music is pretty, uh, pretty fun, frankly. Um, there's also just a few other things on that demo disc. Honestly, having a demo disc, I think was a great move for this console. Cause these are, this is, this is a thing where you can't watch a video online and see, like if this is going to be a, the right game for you, you can't watch a Twitch stream and see like, is this game going to be awesome? Uh, you have to kind of be there and <laughs> to be there, you have to have demos. Um, and then finally they throw in some free stuff. Uh, and the free stuff I think is great for the kids. Uh, <laughs> but it's not like super, super duper great. 
We played um, some awesome little robot Wild West games that, you know, take or leave, but they were they were super mini gamey. They felt like they were VR versions of the Wii U. It was really fun to use the social screen, but I mean, would I have played it if the PlayStation VR had been out for a year and we weren't just thirsty for <laughs> new experiences? Probably not. No, but I will play it if I'm showing off the PSVR to a young person uh, and I want to slap the headset on their head and, uh, you know, they have can they can have that ghost. fun with the VR and, and then I, I can still be a part of it by, you know, because a lot of those experiences are two-player experiences and they show something different to the people on the social screen than they do the person in the headset. There's sometimes a kind of a competitive element and things like that. Uh, one of the best things on there is Robot Rescue, which, like Wayward Sky, is a third-person experience where the uh, the player wearing the headset is controlling a virtual character while watching that character from above. Uh, and I think those two together have had me really more excited for a forthcoming unknown PlayStation VR platformer that I would love to play. Uh, I, I think those... Both of those show that that concept could be built out into a full game and it would be awesome. Um, so kind of that's, that's a lot of the stuff that I've played and I'm still watching as new things come out. Uh, there's other games that I really want to get my hands on. Like um, uh, there's a, there's a game coming out. That's kind of a Civ style, not Civ style, but like a, like a God game crossed with a crossed with a civilization game. Um, and that's another experience where you're looking down from above. It's called, uh, bound, I believe, or tied or tethered, tethered, tethered is what it's called. Um, and so I, I think there's going to be a lot of cool games coming out for this system, but ultimately, uh, we want to kind of answer for our listeners, the question of, should you get this? Um, and I just want to say right out, I can't tell you whether you should get this because I mean, it's kind of expensive and you know, money's probably tight. Uh, but if you're the kind of person who agrees with the kind of reviews that we tend to give games, if you're a listener of our show and you think that, you know, you want to trust me in terms of what kind of games you think I would recommend, I would say that this is a, a system that's going to offer a lot to the kind of people that listen to our show. I think it's really good to hear. I uh, I was not sold on it at all until trying it. I mean, you know, I didn't pre-order it. Um uh, not a uh, no uh, no aspersions intended to be cast here, but I when I heard you had pre-ordered it, I was like, really? That thing's like five hundred damn dollars. Are you serious? Um, and I thought it was a little yeah. That's like, for the that's for the big bundle. The full yeah, bundle, like, yeah. yeah. And I was I was pretty skeptical about the idea of spending that kind of money on a, uh, a, a you know a thing that I hadn't tried. Um, and particularly considering that my one very short experience with VR had been a little underwhelming. This was so much more interesting to me as a polished, finished product. I mean, just the fact that you can go on a download store uh, like the PlayStation Network store, download a game and be playing it on VR. You know, that takes so much of the hassle that you would find in a lot of these other like products that are just not fully fledged yet. Um, you know, it, this is this has found a really good balance uh, between being a just a straight up simple, buyable consumer product um, and having this cool advanced technology, but also keeping the price somewhere like this is this is, I think, still the cheapest option for VR, too. Yeah. In terms of the full system, it is uh, if you have a if you already have a gaming PC, 
um, it still gives the gaming PC plus VR headset kind of a run for its money. But um, if you don't have a gaming PC, and I do not, um, this is pretty much your only option to get a, a full VR setup. And there's a really good reason why when you go to a Bitbash or a developer conference, the lines are enormous for VR. And it's not just because everyone wants to see how it feels. It's because it's really fun. And I think I was super sold. If I wasn't planning a wedding, I probably would have pre-ordered one and just kind of been like, sorry, Justin. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, $500 is probably going to go to a caterer instead. <laughs> hey, However, you know, you know, their wedding registries exist for a reason. <laughs> we don't have one. But if we did, I would be putting PlayStation VR. What if that's the entire registry? Oh, man, that like, would be weird. I have a secret registry, and it's just me getting stuff for the short game. <laughs> <laughs> Could happen. But I, honestly, I really loved it. Um, I think that the weird experimental stuff on this platform is going to be incredibly interesting. Uh, you mentioned Crows, Crows, Crows earlier. They did the Dr. Langeloff and the something, something tiger game. <laughs> <laughs> Cursed Emerald, blah, Curse blah, Cursed the blah. Emerald, Tiger, Diamond. It was a great game, and it was free. A whirlwind heist. A yes. whirlwind heist. So good. All they're doing now is VR, and I can't blame them. If I was uh, an indie game company that had a lot of cool story stuff, I would want to be doing little short VR experiences too. And and that's why like I really I am now very on the edge of buying one of these things. And it's just because I don't want to be left out of these experiences. I don't want to be left out of this these this story. Um I do kind of feel hesitant about it because obviously the PlayStation VR is just one of these options. I do have a gaming PC although it's not really a fancy one, but if I wanted to spend some money, I could I could explore other uh, options and there are other products out there, but by far this is this is not just the least expensive. It's a really competent product. It feels like a complete thing. It's something that you can buy, set up, and play right away. So uh, I think it's a really good bet. Like if you're wanting to experiment with VR and give it a try, and and you have a little cash and you want to spend it on this, this is this is probably the one to buy. This is probably the the VR head, uh, headset to purchase um, of all of the ones that are available right now. So thank you guys for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Um, we are going to be back at you very shortly with a wrap-up about the IF Comp 2016, uh, talking about final picks and our voting. Um, so uh, thank you for, for joining us on that journey of multiple episodes on that. Um, I've been your host, Reagan Kelly, and you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K, that's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K, or you can find this show on the web at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find all our show notes and uh, links to stuff, and you can find a contact form where you can let us know what you're thinking. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you, you so much. You can also find me in virtual reality, dun, dun, escaping dun. your shitty real reality. <laughs> Goodbye, suckers. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.